Hey, if you love Jesus this morning, can we give him a clap offering of praise to our great God, wonderful Lord. Yes, praise God. Boy, it's sure good to be back here with you folks, get to see us again. It's been about a year. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please open up to the Gospel of Luke with me, please. Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> Karen and I were so excited to be here with you, dear folks, and be a part of this church that's teaching and preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, winning souls, uh, seeing them disciple them, see them grow in their faith. Um, Jesus is our great example. He's the master teacher. He's the master preacher. He's the great evangelist of our souls. He's the healer, the comforter. He's our counselor. There's none like Jesus, Amen. You know, at the truck stop, <clears throat> we're seeing you know, men and women uh, that have lived such sinful, destructive, ungodly lives come to Jesus. They're getting saved. They're getting delivered from a bunch of junk in their life and baggage that many of them have carried throughout the entirety of their childhood. I came on the chapel <clears throat> the other morning, and uh, there was a young man sitting out in the picnic table in front of the, uh, the chapel there. He had this black hoodie on, and his eyes were back, pierced dark, you know, peeking out of this black hoodie. And I sat down at the picnic table. I began to <clears throat> try to talk with him a little bit. And he had questions. He says, you know, he says, uh, who is God? Is there a God? Is there a devil? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? He said, how does the person know when they die where they go? How many know those are pretty awesome questions? Amen. So I'm sitting at the table listening to this. I, his name is Keith. I go, Keith. Why don't you come into chapel, I says, and uh, we'll get a Bible. I said, we'll sit down together and I'll share some things with you. So he came to chapel. I got him a bottle of water and got him a Bible. And we began to talk back and forth. He had a lot of questions. And <clears throat> he kept that black hoodie up the whole time we were in the chapel. And all of a sudden, those eyes were just like shark eyes, just dark. Like there's no life in there and just hatred there. And his voice changed. He says, I've got a knife. He said, I just want to cut somebody. I want to stab somebody. He said, I want to slice somebody. As he kept talking that way, I thought that was a pretty good time to start praying. Amen? Amen. And as I prayed, I just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, take authority over God, over these evil spirits that are there to hurt and to harm this young man. So I prayed, and we began to talk a little bit. And as we did, I believe the Holy Spirit's... How many are thankful the Holy Spirit speaks to us? Amen? I said, young man, I said, I know somebody in your life when you was a, a young boy that you really trusted. They hurt you very bad, and they violated you. And through that course of events, I said, you're full of bitterness and anger and hatred in your life, and you're allowing the devil to rob you and steal and, in your life. You don't have the abundant life there. As we kept talking, he goes, it's my father, he said. He goes, I was a little boy, and my sister, my younger sister, younger me, said, my dad used to do these terrible bad things to mom in front of us. And then he says, my dad violated me as a little boy too. He goes, I hate, I hate him. He goes, I want him to die and go straight to hell. I said, sir, I said, your father may go to hell if he doesn't repent. I go, but so will you if you don't repent. You need to surrender this bitterness, this anger, all this hurt and pain that you've got. You need to give it to Jesus. I said, you're murdering your dad again and again every day with these bitter thoughts. He goes, forgive him. He goes, he's not worth forgiving. I go, sir, I'm not worth forgiving. Jesus is forgiving me, amen? 
Aren't you thankful for the grace of Almighty God? As I begin to share the sweet grace with this young man, he's seen the need in his own life to ask for forgiveness for carrying all that heartache and that pain. And he repented and cried out, Jesus, help me. Show me, Lord, how to love my father. Show me, God, how to forgive my father. With that black hoodie on, as he kept praying, he got through praying, his eyes, face is all wet with tears, and those eyes begin to warm up. And so that, that dark, dead look he had in his eyes, you begin to start seeing life there. And we spent that day together. He was in and out of the chapel throughout that entire day and just hearing the word of God. And You know, we have the privilege to disciple these drivers each time they come back in through Rochelle. Drivers can even walk the parking lot with me. Like this young man here, when he comes back in again, I would like him to walk the parking lot with me. He could pass us some tracts and Bibles, begin to talk to other drivers, and uh, he can share his story, his testimony. Say, hey, look what the Lord has done for me. And that's a privilege, you know, for folks to be able to share like that. Uh, many times as Christians, the hardest part is just getting started talking about Jesus. There's a couple from Chicago. <clears throat> They're in their 70s, and they've been coming to the chapel for about 10 years now. They'd gone to church the majority of their life. They started coming to the chapel, and uh, they said they never shared their faith with anybody. They never told anybody about Jesus. So after a couple of years of coming there, and they sat back and observed, and they watched, and they seen this minister over there inside the, the truck stop, that dear couple now, they won't stop talking for Jesus now. Wherever they go, they're, they're talking about Jesus and sharing the Lord with people. You know, and uh, I think we, just, we all just need that kind of encouragement in our life. You know, to say, you know, it's okay to share the Lord. You know, Thad and I were talking a little bit before the service. How many realize there's an antichrist spirit out there today that wants to shut the church up? Amen? But, you know, in spite of all of that, we need to speak up with love and with grace and with godly truth and in integrity that us can hear the glorious gospel message. Uh, drivers get saved. We see them grow in their faith. And then they become uh, soul winners themselves. Leon, he just called me. This week, his dear precious son uh, died with a heart attack. But Leon was one of the first men, drivers, I got to see come to salvation 28 years ago uh, in the chapel. And that whole week was a wrestle. He, he was laid over that week, and we were just wrestling. Each day, time I'd see him, and he'd argue with me about the things of God. And Leon was quite a fighter and just real quick-tempered. And, uh, uh, but finally, he broke down and gave his heart to the Lord, and uh, uh, he got married he wanted me to marry him and his wife as well, and his wife was a Christian, and he wasn't. And I said, I can't do that. That's unequally yoked. And he got mad at me about that too, you know. But, uh, but you know, <clears throat> 28 years later, Leon called me. He says, he goes, would you marry my wife and I now? I said, I would now, Leon. I said, you're a Christian. You love the Lord. And I see him pass. He buys cases of Bibles, and he passes them out along his journey, along the truck stops and the, the terminals and trucking companies, and he shares Jesus with others. He says he knows what the Lord has done in his life, and he's excited about that. You know, uh, what a reward to see someone come to Christ. But, you know, it's even, to me, it's an even bigger reward just to see them continue to grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Because I see, through the years I've been doing this, I see a lot of people kind of plateau. They, they fall away from the, the things of God. And God forbid that, that we would ever do that, you know. Karen and I, we just got back from staff conference with the Ministry of Transport for Christ, and uh, it was a five-day conference, and throughout that time, uh, it was amazing how they just kept referring to the Rochelle Chapel ministry and what's going on there. I was sharing with Thad that we, uh, we do nine services a week out there, 
and I understand none of the other chapels, um, they, they don't do that, do they, Karen? You know, it's, uh, they'll have a Sunday morning service, and that is it. You know, I've got four faithful men, <clears throat> excuse me, they helped me on the chapel, and I said, gentlemen, as long as we're there, let's do a service, amen? Let's praise the Lord, let's study the Word of God, and uh, so we're, we're, we're faithful to do that. We thank the Lord for that privilege there, you know, and uh, you know, this church right here, each time we see someone come to salvation, uh, each time we see someone to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, I want you to know you're a part of that success there. You have supported us from the very beginning. You encourage us, you pray for us, and we do co-labor together, amen? And that's a privilege and honor to do that. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, you've probably read this story before, I'm sure, probably several times, but as I read it the other day, what's really amazing is when we read the Word of God, there's always something new and refreshing there to speak to us, amen? <clears throat> in Luke 13 and verse 10, it says, and Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. Well, that was Jesus' nature, was that it was normal for him to teach and to preach and to evangelize. And uh, he didn't just do it in the churches, but he did it uh, along the dusty roads, along the seashores, and people's homes, uh, wherever Jesus went. That was the manner of your Lord and your Savior. Uh, Jesus is our example, how we need to live and conduct our lives every day in life's journey. You and I, my brothers and sisters, have a very short span of life here. We don't want to live our life with any regrets, amen? We want to live it for Jesus. We want to exalt him the best that we can. And I know I'm pretty clumsy in doing that, and I fumble, and I drop the ball at times. But we need to try, amen? Just try. Just try to speak up for the Lord. Verse 11 says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bowed over, and could in no wise lift up herself. <clears throat> that woman is a picture of all of humanity without Jesus Christ. They're bowed over just the heaviness, the weight of sin, the trouble, the heartache, the pain of living in this fallen world. We're bowed over. We can't help ourselves. It takes the power of God. It takes Jesus to lift you and I up. Amen? If we could do it on our own, we don't need the Lord then. Amen? I'm living proof. I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus to lift me up and to help me with the heavy load of this life that we live in. You know, not every problem that we have is a direct demonic assault. Uh, <clears throat> we have struggles and troubles and problems and issues that are just a part of living in a fallen world and living in these temporal bodies that you and I live in. We're going to face that. But here in this particular passage here, this dear little woman here, this was a direct assault from Satan, the Bible says. It was a heavy oppression that was pushing her down, and there was nothing she could do to help herself. Actually, as we read this, the church couldn't help her. Other people couldn't help her. That's why you and I need to go straight to the top, to Jesus, amen? We need him, praise God, in our lives. Uh, well, Jesus saw her in this condition, verse 12 says, and Jesus called her to himself. And he said to her, woman, he said, thou art loosed. Uh, what I like is Jesus saw, he called, he spoke to her, and then he'd done something here. He loosed this dear woman. He saw her. God is an omniscient God. He sees everything of all existence and all the creation at one time. God is able to do that. But here Jesus, being the creator God, he stopped in his tracks and he had time for this one dear little woman. Amen? He had time 
just for you. He had time just for something like me, praise God. What a personal Lord that he is. He saw her. And in verse, it says he called her. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and 10, the Bible said that God has called you and I to be a good witness, to have a good testimony for the Lord. He wants that in your life and mine. He said to her, Jesus spoke to her. In John 1 and 14, the Bible talks about that the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and full of truth, praise God. You know, the Bible says you and I have a more sure word of prophecy. It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's Jesus. He is the living Word of God. He's more sure. He is our sure foundation in this troubled world that we live in. He saw her. He called her. He spoke to her. But then he did something here. He loosed her. He set her free, praise God. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 16, And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and his custom was as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. What's amazing here is when Jesus particularly opened up the book, it was right on the prophecy that was pointing to Christ. This is a prophecy of him. And it said here, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Jesus, being God in the flesh, he needed the power of the Holy Spirit in his life as well to accomplish the task that he had to do. He needed to be anointed to preach the gospel. It says you're to the poor. That's those that are poor in spirit, those that are broken, those that are downcast. They, they've given up on life. They need to hear hope in the gospel. Uh, it says here, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Is there anybody here ever been brokenhearted in your life? Amen. That's a part of living in this fallen world. The Bible says here, our great God, he's come to heal you and I. <clears throat> to preach deliverance to the captives. Has anybody here ever been in bondage in their life? <laughs> I fit all these categories. That's why I need the Lord Jesus. The recovery of sight of the blind. There was a young lady. She grew up in the church. She knew the Lord. She loved the Lord. She had these dreams of being married. One thing led to another. She married a man that was not a Christian. And he was not a very nice man at that. Eating up, he left her. And when he left her, her whole world just fell apart. But you know, I, I said that because the recovery is sight to the blind. This young lady at a young age, she had a vision to be a godly woman, to live for the Lord, have a godly family. Well, those dreams fell apart. But I thank God for Jesus. How many know God is a God of a second chance, a third chance? Amen. What a wonderful Lord. She repented of that bitterness she had, and the Lord restated that back in her life as well. She found fresh vision, fresh purpose in her life. To set at liberty them that are bruised. There's many people in this whole world, like this young man I told you about, this Keith. He was bruised from a childhood, and he grew up as a young man carrying these bruises and this hurt here. Well, the Bible says here that our God is able to, to liberate us from these bruises, to, to set us free. It says here, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I believe this new year of 20 and 21 is the acceptable year to preach Jesus, amen? To point people to his lovely face. The Bible says Jesus closed the book. He, Jesus gave it again to the minister. And Jesus sat down. And here's the part I want you to catch. It says, In the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue 
were fastened on Jesus. Folks, that's what we need, amen? A fresh view of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, you and I are talking about just the heartache, the pain, the, the struggles, the insurities of living in this world. We can look to Jesus, amen? He is a steadfast rock. He is unmovable. He is a sure foundation for you and I. There's nothing else that is. So church, for you and I, fix your eyes on Jesus. Look steadfastly in his lovely eyes. There is none like our God. And then Jesus said, he began to say to them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Praise God. Back to Luke 13. In verse 13. After Jesus saw her and called her and he loosed her, verse 13 says, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Folks, whenever you and I are touched by the personal work of Jesus Christ, it will change our lives. Amen? It'll rock our world. It'll put you and I in the right direction that we need to be going. And the Bible says here, when he touched her, she's made straight. The Bible says here, she began to glorify God. I believe when you and I are saved, we're graciously moved by the power of God. We want to glorify him. We want to honor him with our lives. Uh, Verse 14 says, And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. My brothers and sisters this morning, aren't you thankful that God don't work just six days a week? (laughs) He's an on-call God. (laughs) He never slumbers and he never sleeps. There might be times when the chapel might not be open or nobody's here in the church, but we've got a God we can call on at any time. Amen? That's the God that we serve. And that's why we've got to point people to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Here, the, the, the ruler, there's actually one ruler of the church, and it's Jesus. He is the great shepherd of the flock. But here, these religious leaders, they hated Jesus and the power of God. Other places, they even attributed Jesus' miraculous works to Beelzebub, to the devil, uh, the work that Christ done. There's many even in the churches today, they don't believe in the supernatural work of God. I thank God that Jesus still saves and heals and delivers. Amen? <clears throat> I was in... Uh, Cook County Jail, and we were, we were ministering there, and uh, I think there's about a dozen different divisions there, but we happened to find ourselves un, under the under Cook County. Thad, do you know that you can actually drive a semi-truck underneath that jail? There's streets underneath there. That's how big it is, you know. So we're down there, me and another buddy of mine, we're, we both got two cases of Bible, we're carrying these Bibles along, and, we're, as we're, and all of a sudden we come up to this, it's called the women's psych ward. As we came up to there, I set the Bibles down, I knock on this glass control room, and the guard looks at me like, what? And I pick up a Bible, and I go, and so finally he hits the button, he goes, what do you want? I go, we're here today in the name of Jesus, I said, to to get Bibles out. I go, could we come back in there and get some Bibles out to these ladies? He looked at me, he started laughing. And he goes, do you realize where you're at? He goes, you're not even in the basement of Cook County. He said, you're underneath the basement, he says here, the very bottom floor. This is a woman's psych ward. These women are not salvageable. They're a throwaway. Their families have given up on them. The state of Illinois has given up on them. There's nothing you can do. I said, sir, you're right. There's nothing I can do. I said, but that was me just a few years ago. I said, the grace of God touched me and saved me. I believe there's hope for these dear women as well. He said, well, if you want to go in, there's your time if you want to waste it. And he hit another button, the second door opened up, and I went in there, and here's these dear, precious women that are bruised and 
discarded and they're hurting from a lot of just sins and abuse and different things that have taken place. Life can be tough, amen? Here they were in there, and as, as, I, as I see these dear women, some are walking around like this here. Some are down on their knees rocking back and forth, and others are mumbling things, and I go around and give them Bibles, and some of them didn't even take a Bible. They just, I just laid it down beside them, and as everybody had a Bible, my friend that was with me, his name is Cliff, and Cliff said, Jay, they all got Bibles. <laughs> so I jumped up on a big cement picnic table, and I started sharing the grace and the mercy, the liberating power of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, one by one, these little women, they start getting up and they start walking forward. They start confessing their sins. They started confessing things that happened to them when they were precious little girls and how that affected the entirety of their life. And I started seeing people get saved. These little women got saved and they started to get touched by the power of God. All of a sudden, that guard, he hit that button again. The door come open. He goes, what's going on in here? I go, officer, it's Jesus. I said, it's Jesus. I said, you need Jesus too. I said, officer, the world needs the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the only thing that could touch these dear women in that condition that they were in. In the story that we're reading here, this is just not a story. This is a factual, historical truth, what you and I are reading. Jesus touched this dear little woman, and she was not the same any longer, praise God. Uh, you know, in, in the book of Malachi 3 and 6, the Lord says, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. And then in Hebrews 13 and 8, he says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What he done back here 2,000 years ago, he'll do today if people will surrender to him and cry out to the Lord Jesus. Verse, uh, where are we at here? Verse 15. <clears throat> the Lord then just, <clears throat> he answered this uh, ruler of the synagogue, and he called him, thou hypocrite. Doth not each one of, of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Jesus rebuking this religious leader, he called him a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a pretender, is what that is. They're not the real deal. These religious here, leaders here were pretenders. They were not right with God. Jesus told them, he says, you've got more concern and more compassion, he says, for an ox or for an animal than you do this dear little woman. Uh, and I like that, he says, to take away the watering. How many know you and I in the church, we need watering. We need refreshing, amen? We need that in our lives. In the verse 16, it says, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Praise God. Jesus said this dear little woman, she deserves to be loosed. You know, and, and I like what he called her too. Uh, he called her a daughter of Abraham. And, and what that means was she was a child of God. Amen? She belonged to the Lord. There are many in the churches today. There may be some in this church this morning. You are a child of God. You know the Lord. But for whatever reason, you're suffering the attacks or afflictions of this world or oppressions or problems or issues in your life. Uh, we need to be set free by the power of Almighty God. I like this here. It says, uh, Ought not this woman... Shouldn't she be loosed? She is a child of God. But, but look what he said here. I want us to get this, because a lot of times in a lot of churches, even as Christians, we think, well, the devil doesn't work that way. Well, the Bible says here, lo, these 18 years be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day. Whom Satan, Satan was the one who had her bound up. Satan was the one who was hurting and harming her. It took the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ to set this dear little woman 
free. If you have unresolved issues in your life as a child of God, <clears throat> maybe from the things of the past, you need to deal with them. You need to give them to Jesus Christ. Jesus is not the great I was. He is the great I am. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If you're in bondage to sin in your life, if there's something that's holding you captive, well, Jesus is the mighty God. He is the deliverer that can set you free this morning. If you have sins that you need to be dealt with, well, I, I, Jesus is the fuller soap. Isaiah says he will wash us as white as snow, praise God. Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He's the lamb, the spotless lamb, without spot, without blemish for you and I. If we need a healing in our life, whatever that might be, spirit, soul, or body, Jesus is the healer. He's the great physician. He's the comforter, the counselor. He's the bright and morning star. The Bible says he's the fairest of 10,000. There's none like Jesus. Amen? My job at the truck stop out there is really quite simple. It's for me to get out of the way and to point people to Jesus Christ. Amen? There was a local man here in town uh, stopped out. He just wanted to check out the, uh, the, the chapel. So while he was there, we were walking out the parking lot, and there was a young lady there walking back and forth, and she was crying, and she was really troubled. And I was walking out there just to invite her to the service. And she says, I've lost my grandmother's wedding ring, she says. And you don't know what value that is to me, she says. And I says, well, did you ask Jesus where it's at? She looked at me, she says, did I ask Jesus where it's at? I said, don't you think Jesus knows where it's at? She goes, well, of course he does. So we prayed. Just as we prayed, the other gentleman was with me. He seen something over there about 15 foot away, just kind of glistening. He walked over and he picked it up, and there was a ring. And he walked back to the truck. He goes, young lady, goes, is this your grandmother's ring? She goes, glory to God. Jesus does know everything, doesn't he? He's God. He's almighty God. Amen. He's El Shaddai. There's nothing our God doesn't know. And he cared enough for that precious little woman to find that ring for her. Amen. He cared enough for this dear woman here in the Gospel of Luke to straighten her up, to get her life right, praise God. And then what happened then, she began to glorify and worship the Lord. This little woman is the one who started a praise service in the church, amen? And the Bible goes on to say there were others then that began to worship and praise God for the wonderful works of our dear Lord. I call him Jesus. Whatever our needs are, whatever our issues are, whatever our sins are, whatever our bondages are, whatever our scars, our hurt, our pains are. Jesus is there for you and I. Jesus is a name that's above all names. Amen? This morning I asked this question. How many would say, you know, I've never truly been born again, and I believe that God is knocking on my door, that I need to repent and truly be born to a new nature and become a child of God. Who would say that to you this morning? Say, you know, I need to do that this morning. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen? How many would say, you know, <clears throat> as a child of God, there's some things in my life that I have not got the victory in that I know the Lord wants me to walk in. And there's some things I need in my life to be healed of and to be set free in. Who would say that's you as a Christian? Amen. Amen. God bless you, Father, I want to thank you, Lord God, just for your love and your grace in our lives. I thank you for the Lord, these dear folks here this morning, says, yes, there are some things there that I need Jesus to touch in my life. Well, Lord, that's what we're asking, 
that, Father, you would reach out to these dear, sweet, precious souls and administer your sweet grace and your mercy. And God, may it be multiplied richly in their lives. Father, have your will and your way. Lord, strengthen them. Establish them upon their spiritual feet to be all they can be as a godly man and godly woman. Thank you, Lord. God, hear our prayers. Father, I pray for this church right here for this new year that you would help all of us here individually and corporately to be meat in the master's hand, Lord God, a tool in your hand that you would use us for your glory and for your honor. Lord, have your will and your way with each one of us and with this church. God, these are trouble-shaking times, but God, you're that sure foundation for humanity. And Lord, if there's, no one, there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you, God, I pray and ask in Jesus' name that they would talk to Thad or myself and say, you know, what does it mean to be born again? I need to take care of that today. Lord, we pray for the pastor that this would be a time of refreshing for him, a time of reviving for him and his dear wife. Lord, bring him back, oh God, revived and ready to continue in the high call of God. Father, have your will and your way with us. We give you praise and thanks. You're a wonderful God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.